From ESPN Films and ESPN Audio, you're listening to 30 for 30 Plus, presented by the Mini Countryman. My name is Jody Abigail. This is our series of bonus conversations in between seasons, conversations between me and filmmakers about some recent 30 for 30 films. We're doing this in the run-up to our new season of original documentaries, which launches on November 14th. This week on 30 for 30 Plus, we'll revisit a bizarre moment in NFL history. In 1987, NFL players went on strike, and NFL owners fielded replacement players, football castoffs, has-beens, and never were. The recent 30 for 30 film, Year of the Scab, follows replacement players on the Washington football team, led by coach Joe Gibbs and general manager Bobby Bethard. They were one of the only undefeated teams during the three-week walkout. But unlike other teams, they did it all without any players crossing the picket line. It's such a relatable story of people who've pined to do something at their core, and they've recently been told it ain't going to happen. In the blink of an eye, all of a sudden, they have another shake at it. That's John Dorsey, who directed Year of the Scab. I talked to Dorsey and two replacement players, Craig McEwen and Tony Settles, about the team's success and their struggle for recognition. National Football League players are on strike this morning. The 1987 season came to a halt during the night when the final gun sounded at the end of the Jets-Patriots game at Giants Stadium. The big issue is free agency. The opportunity for players to change teams at will. The players want it, the owners don't. NFL owners are vowing to resume the season October 4th with a collection of free agents. Hundreds of men have found work in a whole new field, taking the jobs of striking players in the National Football League. We were all given an opportunity we shared that opportunity, and that made us a team. Am I scared? That was my identity. That was what I did. That's who I was. So I thought we could actually start with the players and who the replacement players were. So we have them here in the studio. So you know, Craig and Tony, do you guys want to talk about just who you were when you became a replacement player? I'd just been freshly cut uh, by the Redskins. You know, I signed uh, on as a free agent in May and went through mini camp and then um, you know, training camp. Got through the last cut and Joe Gibbs pulled me in and says, look, man, we'd love to keep you, but we don't have enough spots. He did say to me, look, be ready, keep working because they are going to strike and we are going to field teams. So he said that even before the season started. Yeah, he, he saw that writing on the wall. Yeah, they knew that the players were going to strike, and the, and he had already been told that they were going to field teams, and they were going to put it back on the players, if you will. Hmm. Interesting. So we'll get into a little bit of that. But uh, Tony Suttles, what were you doing? Yeah, the, pretty much. I was kind of in the same in the same boat with Craig because I did go to training camp to the last cut, and so pretty much before I left the facility, I can't remember who I talked to. But somebody did say to me, if there is a strike, would you come back and play? And at that time, just said, yes, yeah, sure, because I said, no, there probably won't be a strike. They don't want to, you know, stop this gravy train and, you know, have a break like that. So I'm 22. I said, yes, yeah, sure. And at the end of the second week, I got a phone call. Actually, I got several phone calls. <laughs> uh, I thought about it and had second thoughts about it. I said, you know what? This is an opportunity of a lifetime, so I'm going to go for it. So, John, just for some context here, I mean, I think one of the reasons I'm interested in the background and what you guys were up to, right, when you got this call is that, like, 
these were real football players. You know, you guys had just barely gotten cut from the team when you got the call. You were still like in shape. You were football was your life. It's not like getting complete amateurs off the street and give it, and making them NFL players, right? Well, Which I think that, some people might think that's part of why Washington succeeded in a way where other teams didn't is because they took the possibility of the strike very seriously. Joe Gibbs and Bobby Beathard. This brain trust was one of the greatest formed in the history of the NFL. Bobby was excited. Let's go get as many guys as we can. Let's try and let's try and win games. While most teams around the league scrambled to prepare for a strike, one team had put together an airtight blueprint for success. And that's what I'm hired for, to put the players on the team that can win. And that's what Joe Gibbs is hired for, to coach the players to win. By contrast, the Giants, who had just won the Super Bowl the year before, didn't take the strike as seriously. As a matter of fact, they basically hired a semi-pro team in mass because they hadn't done the individual recruiting. They just brought this whole group of guys in that wasn't the best talent available. So you guys... Did you feel like there was a drop-off in quality when you guys took the field? Was there a drop-off? Well, yeah. But did we play at a high level and a pro level? And could we compete? Hell yeah. Damn straight. And I'll take that 56 against any 60 any day because we got heart. And we may get beat, but I'm telling you, you'll never out-effort that team because that's what that team was brought with. I mean, we had world-class leaders teaching us. So our level of play was, was, was professional. And I'll, and I'll be damned if anybody say, you know, takes that away from the, these guys. you got to remember, this is before expansion. If you look at the best replacement players, if you would have added two teams to the league in 1987, two, two rosters, been. that's where, you know, yeah. at some point, these guys probably would have been on rosters in, the, in today's NFL because there were more spots available. Yeah. So the best of the replacements were definitely NFL caliber as we see them now sitting here in 2017. Because there were so many guys from training camp of the Redskins, that definitely helped. So when I got there and I saw these guys that I was in training camp with, I was like, okay, if we were there for a training camp, we were there for a reason, you know. And I've seen these guys perform. You know, I knew what they could do. And even though, you know, we were cut before, I think it made everybody step the game up. So on that, I mean, obviously the context here is that there's a strike. You are asked to come in and play and, you know, cross the picket line. How much were you thinking when you answered that call about the players who were on strike, the players you would be replacing? I know for myself that I contemplated that for the longest time because I didn't come in from day one because I was contemplating that. I mean, because I was in the huddle with these guys and... As football players, you respect the level that they had gotten to and they had achieved. But at the same time, I'm looking at my opportunity as well. And it's like, okay, once they get what they want, what does that leave you? You know, are you going to get a thank you card? Like, thank you, Tony Settles, for not crossing the picket line or or anything like that. So after I weighed the options, I said, I'm going to ride this wave till it hits the beach. There's a context where in hotspots around the country, there was the threat of real violence. We heard that in Philadelphia. 
Guys were getting dragged out and getting knocked around. This is a union town. It's going to stay a union town. In Kansas City, there was a famous incident where at the picket line, some uh, striking players brought some rifles. Before that first practice, it was explained to us that we're going to be shuttled back and forth by a bus, that it was recommended that we stay with, with the team, that we don't wander. A chartered bus carrying the new non-union Redskins made its way down Redskins Lane. It's getting scary, I'll tell you what, I think people are getting mad. Yeah. You know, your bus is coming into the facility and the players yeah. who are on strike are, I mean, it's a remarkable yep. scene yes. and there's footage of it in the film. Yep. They're throwing eggs maybe at the, at the yeah. bus yeah. and yeah. they're yeah. yelling, scab, scab, scab. While the men on the bus nervously looked out the window, Things began to get nasty. Are you guys? That's when I realized I'm looking like this is a little bit hairier than I thought it's going to be, and then it got real because now they're they're pounded on the bus, and I'm thinking, well, you know what? I got pounded in the training camp by these guys, and if I stick around here, what are they going to do to me anyway? What are they going to possibly do to me? They can't do it to me psychologically. If they can pound on me physically, they can't change my heart. I'm just kind of staring down, and out of the blue. Boom. Defensive end Daryl Grant actually broke one of the windows. And I'm pounding back on the window because I'm, I'm trying to give some of the guys around me, too. I don't want them to lose the enthusiasm and the dedication. And the, some and, of the other replacement yeah, players the on guys the bus. Yeah, the guys on the bus. Yeah, I want them to know, hey, look, man, just follow my lead. You know, I'll go in first. Whatever's left over, you guys can take care of after that. John, you talked to dozens of players who were scabs in this season. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like and then I'll ask the same question of you guys, that the replacement players like understood why there was a strike, understood what the point of a union is? Well, I think that they understood the value, the potential value of free agency. I mean, because if you're drafted by, let's just say, the Washington Redskins, and that team is um, super deep at your position, it's unlikely that you're going to make the team, no matter how good you are, a free agent has the liberty to go pick the place that best suits his talents so the idea of like you know the freedom to pick the place you want to work is something that i think you know everyone can relate to now whether or not that means that like these guys need to get threatened with violence is Mm -hmm. another story being older now myself i do realize the importance of it but as like i said a 22 year old kid all i saw was a chance to play football while the picketing continues outside Redskin Park, inside the Skins have close to 60 free agents preparing for a game next week against the Cardinals. You've had a couple weeks of fighting and players crossing the picket lines. Now, finally, the story moves to the playing field. Washington's opponent would have the advantage with 14 veterans who broke ranks to play. Washington had none. We're about to find out whether the fans prefer scab or scrub football to no football. After the break, Washington's replacement players begin a winning streak that leads to a Super Bowl title. So what, if anything, does the organization owe them? Just from a football standpoint, I was surprised how smoothly it went. While the Redskin regulars were on strike and outside of RFK Stadium, inside RFK Stadium, the replacement Redskins beat the St. Louis Cardinals. It looked like football. It beat a football team with 17 veteran players. It was a fact we had to deal with, and uh, I think we dealt with very well. 
It was better than whatever else there was to watch. Redskins are doing great. We consider them the Redskins. They're the Redskins. You guys have mentioned a few times Joe Gibbs, coach of the Washington team. He, to me, I'm curious what you guys think about this, but kind of felt like he, in a way, masterfully like played both sides. Like He told the players who were striking, I'm on your side. Don't cross the picket line. You know, I'll be here for you. But then at the same time, he was, you know, your coach and your leader and your kind of welcoming. So, like, how should we feel about Joe Gibbs here? Kind of getting it both ways. Well, you know what? I understand what Coach Joe was doing. He knew eventually that the original guys were going to come back. So he was trying to have some cohesiveness between them when they came back. Because you saw, well, you see in the film what happened to Dallas when they, you know, the guys start crossing. If Joe Gibbs was preaching unity, Dallas was planning to divide and conquer. The 1987 strike was the NFL's civil war. And in the Cowboys' case... It turned player against player. It was inherently destabilizing. How could the Cowboys lose to the Redskins, a team with no strike breakers? You know, Coach Joe never at any time made us feel less than those original guys. He came at us like we were... And we were the Washington Redskins. Like, we might as well have been the original guys because he never at any point made made us feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're still a tight team. Of course, we have a lot of discussions as far as what we do, but once we decide, we do it as a team. Sports writers say teams with more solidarity, like the Redskins, stand to gain. Really, he was preaching the same message, which was a team message to both sides. He was doing it in two different rooms. But he was telling the striking players, you've got to stick together. You can't, if you're going to go walk out, you're going to go walk out together. If you're going to come back, you're going to all come back together. You're not going to trickle in. We're going to be a team because the strike will end. And if you t- trickle in, it's going to erode team cohesion and solidarity. And we need to be together if we're going to make a run. On the flip side, he taught these guys in basically a month how to play for each other and how to be a team. They were all building towards the same goal. So in a really weird way in a Super Bowl season, both the striking players and the replacement players needed each other to get where they ultimately got. And where was that? For the Super Bowl. The they, Super Bowl. They got to the Super Bowl and they won the Super Bowl. And it's it's hard to argue with the idea that the Redskins wouldn't have been in as optimal a situation going into the playoffs as they were without the contributions of the uh, replacement Redskins because the, every game they won was a division game. By contrast, the Super Bowl champion Giants lost every game during the strike. And if you flip those numbers around, the Giants would have been the ones in the in the catbird seat, you know, as they moved it. And you also the, point out that it was kind of a three game rest for right. the players on the so they were team. fresh when they right. came back. The sad thing is that they had all the right moves when it came to putting together a great replacement team about you know getting them to believe in themselves and getting them to victory. Yet at the end, they didn't acknowledge these guys for being equal contributors. To say they were used, to say they were used and forgotten, discarded, yes. They do not have rings. They do not go to team functions. They're not listed as official alumni for the Redskins. I thought being active for four weeks was just a foregone conclusion that we would be getting rings. There isn't a day that doesn't go by that somebody doesn't ask you, well, how come you didn't get a ring? Well, where's your ring? Hey, where's your ring? I don't have a ring. 
It's an owner's decision, and he decided not to give us a ring. You know the guy who parks the cars at Redskin Park got a ring? The girl answers the phone up front, got a ring. So let's talk about that. Um, there's a moment in the film where Gibbs kind of addresses that. Those crucial victories helped us win the division and have a chance to play at home and get to a Super Bowl. So do you think the replacements deserve Super Bowl rings? That one would be hard for me to answer. I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I, I would say, you know, they certainly deserved uh, a lot of credit, but the Super Bowl ring, that would be kind of hard for me to answer. I think that was a very small portion of Redskin history. What did you make of his response? To me, I think, you know, like I said, I love Coach Joe to death. Uh, but I, you know, if that's the way you feel about it, just say no. And at least people know where you stand and why you stand there. But, you know, he kind of gave the politically correct answer. You know what I mean? And I don't hold it against him or anything like that. I'm not saying he said no, but I, I, to me, I feel like it was no in a nice way. I was surprised when I heard Joe's response. And I thought to myself, well, it's just three games out of 16, but it's three games and it's three division games that the guy's got revenue shares of the playoffs. And like for Joe Gibbs, I'm like, hey, we went out there and bled for you and got and and gave it all. And it it hurt. And then to hear somebody say we didn't have enough money from the league in order to give uh, another squad Super Bowl rings. They're terribly expensive. Man, that's the biggest crock of money making machine around here. And even back in the day, the strike team won every game we played for the Redskins. And no matter what happens, they can't take that from us, whether you got a ring or not. We did our job for those three weeks. After the rings were distributed, one of the coaches, he said, why don't you take mine and have some duplicates made? You know, that's a difficult ring to replicate. I was disappointed with the settings. Um, I didn't think they'd set the stones very well. Love it and hate it. I love it. I, I earned it. In some ways, it's a uh, kind of a metaphor for the whole experience. It's not quite the real thing. It seems like the decision to not give rings out to most of the replacement players, it was a way to save face with the striking players and not hurt their feelings because that would be a bridge too far for them. But the irony is, as you see in our film now, all of those guys have come around. So if those guys whose feelings were the ones you were supposed to be sparing are over it and are ready to kind of invite all the replacements back into the Redskins family, then the organization should. So I just, I'm curious, you know, as we start to wrap up, like how do you define that word recognition? You know, what counts as recognition? What do you want to see? For me, really, it's not all about say, okay, once you, if, if you do give me a ring, I'll be happy. For me, it's not even about that. Uh, if I get a ring, fine. And, I'm, and I, I think a lot of guys feel this way, too. If you don't, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But the acknowledgement, you know, like, okay, guys, without you winning those games, we wouldn't have been projected one game ahead of everybody in the NFC East. So that's that's the way I feel about it. So and maybe it's not with a ring. Maybe it's about some sort of halftime ceremony where they make a real gesture to say you guys are as much a part of that season as anybody else. Any other player who played four weeks or three weeks and got hurt 
you know, these guys have, they had their, they had their moment in the sun on the biggest stage in sports, you know, and uh, when they were kind of unceremoniously kicked to the curb, they went on to live lives of quiet dignity and they weren't really looking for the recognition that this film has afforded them. But I'm, I'm glad to be a part of recognizing what they did because it's amazing. (laughs) John Dorsey, Craig McEwen, and Tony Suttles, thank you so much for, uh, for coming in to talk. Yes, thank thank you. you. Am I a scab? I've never liked the term. I think we're better than that. You call me what you want, but when I get on that football field, I'm a football player. But back to my dad, I think I play with the best of them. You can never take that away. They don't win a Super Bowl without these guys. So it's time that someone steps up and says that. Tony Settles and Craig McEwen played for the replacement Washington football team during the 1987 strike. You also heard from John Dorsey, who directed Year of the Scab. You can find the film on iTunes and in the ESPN app. We've also included a link to that in the show description. Just click and you can start watching right now. And a quick postscript. Since the film aired in September, calls for replacement players to receive Super Bowl rings have intensified. The current team management has yet to issue a statement, but did recently tell us that they are considering their options. So stay tuned. Remember, Season 2 launches on November 14th, and keep your eye on this feed, because later this week we're going to be releasing the trailer for Season 2. And if you haven't listened to Season 1 of our documentaries, you can hear them at 30for30podcast.com slash Season 1, or click the link in the show description. This episode was produced by Andrew Parsons with help from Ryan Mantell, Vin DeAnton, and Kate McAuliffe. We had additional production support from Aaron Leiden, Jenna Anthony, Jennifer Thorpe, Colin Fleming, Taylor Barfield, Tony Chow, and Alex Bowen. My name is Jody Avergan. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with more 30 for 30 Plus.